We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Overnight America, another hour. Thanks for spending it with us. I do appreciate it. We could take some more of your calls, and right after the break, we were talking about the road-blocking protest uh, measure that's going on in the state of Missouri. There's other things I do want to get to now that we're past 10 o'clock, and part of which, when it comes to uh, the courts now allowing some evictions to go through, what that really means. And I do also want to get to a story about a man who traveled pretty far to get a vaccine. Now he wants Missouri to pay the bill for his mileage. I get it. So few things to get to but i do want to keep things open for you like jim who's calling in welcome to overnight america hi there ryan how are you good go ahead jim yeah i was just going to talk a little bit about the castle law sure. um, you know the the man just mentioned before the break about the mccloskeys they were totally in their right to do whatever they did i mean it's like this kim gardner person who's a very poor prosecuting attorney poor attorney in general had no right to anything at all to do with the situation with the McCloskeys. The Castle Law, which was written by our fine governor, Mr. Parson, says clearly that if somebody goes on private property and they approach you, you have the right to shoot them. My cousin, who was out here on Bryan Road in St. Charles County, had a guy try to come in his car through his window with got off his motorcycle. man tried to hit him with his fist. My cousin reached down, pulled up his revolver, and shot the guy in the shoulder. And, of course, my cousin went free because the castle law says you can defend yourself within your domain. Right. I think uh, that we've talked about this before, and I want to bring up this point, too. And point is that when you're talking about being threatened, uh, is it possible that the McCloskeys felt threatened that on their own private property there was a mob of people that were coming through? Then I think reasonably, yes. They could uh, any reasonable person would look at that and say they felt threatened. Is it reasonable for them to, as a, a threatened individual, show that they have means to protect themselves? And part of that protecting themselves is warning other people by showing them they have a weapon in order to protect themselves. That's the warning that they're giving to get people to move along and get off of their property or away from them. I believe that's all reasonable. When we go back to the Kim Gardner situation, prosecuting them, we realized that this was all a political stunt because even a court 
uh, and a judge agreed it was a political stunt because she was fundraising. She was asking for donations, people to give her money in order to prosecute the McCloskeys out there soliciting money because she's, uh, you know, giving the McCloskeys a hard time. What a what an abuse. <laughs> what an absolute abuse. So that had to have been uh, turned over to someone else. And really. I don't think the McCloskeys should be looked at as, oh, this is what's wrong with the area. I think what's wrong with the area is that we discourage all kinds of people. Um, and part of the uh, problem is that when we have these large groups of people that are uh, protesting or whatever that turn violent, we have to say, oh, we need to acknowledge their frustrations by, you know, if they break a window, it's nothing in comparison to the anger that they feel. So we just have to accept that. Or if they rob a business then you know those are those items are replaceable but you know this is the type of stuff we need to stop so when we talk about the things that may discourage people from coming into a area it's that um in going over the past year the restrictions on covid if we're going to say hey why don't you come to st louis where at any given time we may close your business down or we may tell you that you're not allowed to have any people inside. Uh, like in the county, if you're a restaurant, there's people out there saying that I don't think we can survive this. Uh, and some didn't. Many didn't. They had to completely close down. They say we just can't weather this storm again. Um, that's the stuff that discourages people. Look at these other large metropolitan areas like New York City, for example, where these businesses do not want to resign leases because of the harsh restrictions, the overburdens that are put on them. They just can't make a living anymore. And they can't say, we're going to close things down and we're not going to allow people to shop the way they want to shop or have commerce the way they want to have commerce. How are you able to pay rent if that's the case? Now, we're not talking about individuals that are living and trying to just get an apartment there. We're talking about people that are renting storefronts in New York. And when the foot traffic is all the way down, people leave. They're like, done. I get, what am I supposed to do? You can't, can't deal with that. So there, I think there's a lot of things that contribute to why a business would move in there. McCloskey's, and if they look at that, no one, no one is saying, oh, that's the reason I decided not to come into St. Louis. Not, I would be shocked to, to learn of any one individual that is upset that someone on their own private property in their own homestead who brandished a weapon while standing on their own property is the reason why a business doesn't want to go to a, a business district. Yeah. That's a stretch. So, yes, thank you, Jim, for that call. 314-436-7900. And St. Louis courts may start looking at evictions again. Some specific reasons why evictions are coming on. And I'll tell you about those right after the break. It's Overnight America KMOX. Trusted information, live and local. From the award-winning KMOX Newsroom. Welcome back to Overnight America. All right. We are going to take a couple more calls here at 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. Let's go to Susie, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Hey, how are you? Good. Um, I guess my comment is I am so sick and tired of Kim Gardner pulling the race card and saying, oh, I'm a black prosecutor. Nobody respects me. Um, there was a case about a year ago that I followed um, where a woman, 70 years of age, was carjacked in Seward, and there were four youths ranging from 10 to 16. Um, the 16-year-old had a gun. Um, they stole her car keys 
and did $8,000 worth of damage to her car. And they were all tried as youth, even though Missouri law would have allowed the 16-year-old to be tried as an adult. Um, and they all got probation. Mm. What's That's wrong terrible. with that picture? That's, I mean, you know, you, you think I mean, about the people that have been victims of crime. What message does that send to them when that's the type of deal you're making with those that victimize someone else? Well, it just says, um, hey, guys, get back on the street and, um, you know, bump up your game. I- I'm sorry, but I really have a problem with her. Um, she doesn't seem to apply the law fairly to everyone. I mean, this kid stole a car and he gets and yet she's going after the McCluskeys? What's wrong with that picture? And she fundraises on it, and a judge called her out and made sure she was removed from that case because of it, and rightfully so. That's uh, the way it should be. So I think we've seen that. And Susie, thank you for your call. It is frustrating. It's frustrating when we have these violent crimes happening, and we notice that there's an influx of violent crimes being committed, and repeat offenders and people that should not be out on the streets are the ones that are either caught or co- committing these things. And we know that over the past year, we had what in the most homicides in the past 50 years in the city of St. Louis. How many of the people have been caught and how many people have been enabled to do this because they weren't taken seriously on other crimes that were brought forward? This is tough. This is a tough situation we're in here in the city of St. Louis because we're kind of stuck in this trap. And even the cases that are come up, even the cases that they do take to court, you have these attorneys either not showing up or saying, oh, we're so overwhelmed. We, we dropped the ball on this or whatever. The prosecution rate, the, the, the guilty rate is what, at 50 <laughs> percent? It's a joke. And when you look at the statistics in surrounding areas, when they're upwards of like 80, 85 percent, they'll get a guilty and we're at like 50%. So you take into consideration, they're not bringing up enough cases. You take into consideration the ones they do take up. Don't always get guilty, please, or it's a waste of time, or they don't show up. It's bad. It's it's not good. Let's go to Jane. Uh, welcome to Overnight America. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi, Jane. Go ahead. I'd like to know if the protesters in this McCloskey thing were, I know they were on a private street, but were mm. they on the McCluskey property. Um, yeah, I think some of the cases they were. So the pictures that they show, there were people taking photos and videos of it. And there were some people that were stepping onto the property. I don't know if anyone like actually went to their front porch or anything, mostly because they were there standing with their guns, warning them to get off. But, you know, you see photos with people on their property. I mean, most of them were uh, you know, trying to direct traffic in that sense when they realized that the McCloskeys were out there and they weren't playing around. So, yeah, I mean, there are some photos of it. Uh, I don't, how much uh, how much do they need to be on the property for it to matter, though? I mean, if they're if, if you're on your backyard and you witness them breaking open an iron gate or an whatever gate and you see them coming onto a private street in a private residence and you're sitting right there witnessing all these things. I mean, I mean, I think that's enough to react to. Okay, and uh, about that prosecuting attorney down in the city. Mm -hmm. If the police do not bring her evidence, how can she prosecute people? Don't the police have a part in this? Are they not supposed to bring her enough evidence that she can prosecute these criminals and put them where they belong? Mm. 
I think they do bring them evidence. I mean, part of the problem is that she's got this exclusion list. So even if they bring a signed confession, she won't take it. That's a pretty big problem. Uh, and, and then even if that's the case, how many times have the police handed over? I mean, they were caught in the act of doing something like, let's say one of the big examples was the protesting. So let's say they were caught committing an act of uh, a crime in the act of protesting, smashing a window or whatever it is for fill in the blank. And they arrest and they say, OK, we caught this person doing this. They hand it over. And then 24 hours later, still not processed by or at least there's a, a nothing brought up, at least with charges. And they say, oh, we'll still reserve the right to bring up charges later. We're just not going to do it right now. And then they never do it. So when she says that there's not enough evidence to do it, a lot of times her excuse is, oh, we'll still reserve the right to do it. But it's never done. They they, they never bring up charges afterwards. So. Uh, to me, it's just an excuse. It's not an, a viable reason to not charge someone because they Some of have. The police that she's refused to take evidence from, from have been proven to be crooked. So I think she's getting a bad rap, and I think people need to pay attention to this. The police are supposed to bring you sufficient evidence to convict these people. She can't go out and get the evidence herself. That's my comment. Thank well, you. Uh, let me break. Hold on, Jane. I'm going to, I got some questions for you real quick, if you don't mind. Uh-oh, Jane. Are you, are you there, Jane? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, okay. So if she's, how does a 50% prosecution rate, how does that play out? If it's her getting a bad rap, how does that play into the case of the police? If she decides to take on these cases in the rare instances that she does, and she's only getting 50% guilty when the rate should be 75 to 85%. Is that How is that the, the police's fault? Previous prosecutor was getting Previous 70%. prosecutor was getting 70 75 to 80%. And if you look at like St. Charles County, they're closer to 85%. If you look at other counties that are similar, they're all above 70%. We're at like 50% in St. Louis. So, okay. how is that the police's fault? I still say they're not giving her what she needs to prosecute. That's my opinion. But if she's bringing the case to court and she's already excluded these other cases when saying, oh, I'm not bringing it up because of whatever, but these are the ones she's deciding to take on and still losing the cases, then how is that? I See, I don't see that as a policing fault. And also, what about the cases where she in court is being charged with perjury with the case with Greitens, with the Tisabee out in oh, I uh, Michigan? Oh, I think absolutely horrible. If, when she was involved with that, I didn't say she was an angel. I agree that that was stupid. Okay. And what about the instance where we find out that uh, they're also having a hard time with her turning over evidence when, and as they investigate her, there was a lot of instances where she just refused to turn things over, uh, not cooperating with the investigation into that when it came to perjury. That's not also a good look. And how about the instances where the courts had to come in where she was fundraising off the McCloskeys and the judge said, well, you can't do that, so we're going to have to remove you from this case. Or the instance where she came and said, there's this giant uh, racial conspiracy against me. And the judge also dismissed that because they said there's no evidence for any of these things from going on. So over and over and over again, she gets, uh, she loses. Every step she takes, she loses. She's, I don't think she's brought a winning case forward yet. I would have to see, and I know I will never see that. I'd like to see some of the evidence that's being presented to her to prosecute. That's my comment. And thank you very much for taking my call. Thank you, Jane. Yeah, I would like to see this, too. And the latest that uh, is happening, the person that was looking into some of her uh, allegations, someone that was investigating her, she then just this has just happened last week. 
She then brings up a suit against that person, looked at as a retaliatory uh, suit because she brings up this uh, suit after the statute of limitations is up. So you can't even charge someone after a point like that anyway. Purely looked at as retaliation. There's a huge ethical problem with that. And it was just based on her getting uh, the, the initial in- investigations against her to begin with and the people that were looking into it. This is no good. So when it comes to the circuit attorney's office, when the mayoral candidates stand up and they say the reason, uh, you know, we, we got to work with this and that, but they don't want to criticize the circuit attorney's office. And there's a whole track record of issues and problems with the circuit attorney's office. All these failures stacked up one after another. I, really, is there anything that she's done that has been successful? She brought up this case against Eric Greitens. We later find out she brought it up without evidence. And there's other prosecutors that have said, I have, I've never seen that before. You're bringing a case up against someone the day before the statute of limitations is up. And you present a case saying that you have evidence. And then when it's time to present your evidence, you have no evidence. The whole th- reason for you to get this evidence the whole reason for you to bring this case forward is because you said you had this evidence and it didn't exist goes to show you it's all politically motivated. So failure there. Um, what about the case where there was the drug dealer and the police? We saw that with the Stockley case. You wanted to retry that. Another failure case. McCloskey's another failure case. It's, it's just a long line of failures in the circuit attorney's office. While the city is struggling with record high homicide rates, criminals just going free. And that's the kind of problems that we're dealing with on the streets. Yeah, we got to look around. Things aren't good right now. She's not helping the case. We can't excuse that. And if you're going to be the new mayor in the city of St. Louis, you shouldn't go out there trying to kiss up to her and say, oh, we need to we need to do things uh, more like Kim Gardner's way. What do you mean? It, it's not working. <laughs> All right, let's go to Bill. Welcome to Overnight America. Hey, you know, I live in St. Louis for almost 20 years. I'm in northeast Oklahoma now. Um it's always been about race, in my opinion. I think there's a racial component here. I doesn't think, I don't think Kim likes white people. Um, no matter what she does, she's getting a raw deal from their side. And over on our side, I think she just she goes after certain people and she lets others slide. And I think a lot of it's based on race. And the woman that just called in and said. Uh, she's not uh, giving all the evidence. No cop likes to go out on the street for eight hours, ten hours a day, formulate a case, take pictures, do all the narrative reports, interview witnesses, everything else, and submit it to his commanding officer first before it goes to the prosecuting attorney and then have him kick it back. That's the most frustrating thing in the world. And, 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 She's got to be kidding if she thinks the cops aren't giving her enough. She's picking and choosing who she prosecutes, I feel, based on race. And all of those people aren't like that because the attorney general in Kentucky is a heck of a prosecutor. But he's called an Uncle Tom because he didn't go after Breonna Taylor's uh, police officers that entered the house that night and shot her. It, we got to get past the race and say, okay, you suck at your job and you don't. Forget the race component. Just just do your job. Hmm. All right, Bill. Thank you very much for the call. <laughs> just do your job. Ah, all right. 
I think that a lot of people, when they try to boil down the issues in the city of St. Louis, realize that we're not trending in the right direction. We're trending in the wrong direction, no matter what you do. I want to play some of the comments about policing from the mayoral debate from earlier with Treasurer Tashara Jones and Alderwoman Kara Spencer. So we'll hear from them what they feel is the problem, what they would do different. You can kind of hear it directly from one of the two that'll be the next mayor in the city of St. Louis. And you can react to that. You can uh, you can tell me if you think it's a good idea. You can tell me if you think they answered nothing. Uh, what kind of confidence you have in the city of St. Louis in the future? Do, do you have more confidence with one of them in office next? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll take a look at your weather after the break, too, on Overnight America KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. News Radio KMOX, the home of the Cardinals. Welcome back to Overnight America. All right. I, I mentioned I was going to talk about the announcement that they're going to resume some evictions in the county. The sheriff's office said that they'll only execute evictions in cases involving drug related or other criminal activity and on also commercial properties. The cases have been on hold for about a year, thanks to what's going down when it comes to the coronavirus. But then again, this order from the CDC, was it lawful to begin with? Is it even possible? In fact, courts are starting to rule it is not legal, and I think that opens up the opportunity for other people to get people off their property. If they are the owner of that rental or whatever it is, they should have at least some say or control over it because, hey, there's probably other circumstances at play more than just uh, they can't pay the rent. We saw some cases here on KMOV. They actually highlighted a few and it was pretty bad. You know, they have people that are just completely destroying these properties and the landlords are completely helpless to get the people out because of the moratorium on these evictions. So, um, yeah. Maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I do want to continue with what we were mentioning before the break. What are we doing when it comes to violent crimes in the city of St. Louis? And that seems to be the very first question that happened at the mayoral debate earlier tonight, which you heard on KMOX and was on Fox 2. Michael Calhoun from the KMOX newsroom was a part of that as well. But I wanted to play this for you, a question on gun violence to get an idea where both of them are. And I think they knew this would be the first question. What will you do to address those root causes of violent crime? How will your plan be different from so many others that have failed? And how will you pay for it? That's a great question. So we need to put the public back in public safety. And that means uh, making sure that we are deploying the right person to the right call. Not only has St. Louis experienced this most violent year on, in, in decades, we've also are tops in the nation uh, for uh, uh, um, Gun, or gun violence by uh, our officers. 
for officer-involved shootings. And we need to turn from an arrest and incarcerate model to a prevention model, using all of the prevention methods and putting them on the table. Um, we already, I think we already have the money within the public safety budget to pay for it. It's about effectively deploying our resources, taking the budget that we have and using the money that we have and, and, and being a mom and, and having to, to juggle uh, my budget at home and also having to manage the treasurer's office budget. I have the experience to do that. And we need to make sure that we rebuild trust uh, in our community. Uh, and let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room. We still have uh, two separate unions for black firefighters and white firefighters, for black police officers and white police officers. So we can't expect our communities to trust us if we don't trust ourselves. Treasurer Jones, thank you. You know, in any other given scenario, they probably would be upset that you're questioning a union. But nonetheless, if you look at the statistics and police officer shootings that we've seen year in and year out, I mean, 2020, all things considered, um, it's not like the police are out there shooting people willy nilly or all the time at all. In fact, the numbers, considering the general population in the United States, are pretty low. In fact, probably a lot lower than you would imagine. Let me pull up the number real quick, and we'll be able to look at that. Um, okay, so it's under 1,000 people have been shot and killed by police in the past year. And if you wanted to break those numbers down even further and look at those that are unarmed, the number is extremely low. If I remember correctly... The number of unarmed people shot by police was under 10. Let me get the official number here real quick. And this is in the United States. So whenever they bring up, you know, the police are the problem here. We had 200 and some homicides in St. Louis last year. You got to look around, man. I mean, it's not good. It's bad. It's not the policing problem. Right, let me bring up the pure statistic. I'll find it here, but okay. Well, I want to continue with this from the mayoral debate then I'll get back to that number. Treasurer Jones, thank you. Alderwoman Spencer, your response, and again, one and a half minutes. Linda, thank you for your thoughtful question. You're right. Uh, like many of our viewers tonight, crime is personal for me. Uh, as the victim of a violent crime myself, I know how important it is. That's why when I decided to run for mayor, I got serious about looking at what the city can and should be doing taking from cities that have effectively addressed violence, I put together a comprehensive 10-step plan to start to address violence on day one. While I don't have time to go into all the details, I'll give you an outline. Starting out by pulling in programs that have been effective in other cities, we're going to bring focused deterrence to the city of St. Louis. This is a data-driven approach that has been successful at reducing homicides by up to 50% in cities that have deployed it in just a few years. We're going to get the basics right, like answering 911 calls. It is, it is unconscionable that over 30% of the calls right now going into 911 are being answered by a recording rather than a trained dispatcher who can actually respond and make sure this, that our law enforcement can respond appropriately. And lastly, rebuilding trust. We know that we have a major breakdown in trust between our communities and our law enforcement uh, agency. And this is preventing... Uh, the law enforcement community getting the very vital information we need to solve crime. That's how we're going to pay for it. You know, the Teneo study that recently came out that was paid for the, by the business community outlined an enormous amount of redundancies and inefficiencies within our police department. And I know that if we get to work addressing those issues from within, we'll have the funds to pay for it. 
I, I think that this idea, this approach that when police go to these calls, when they're called into a neighborhood where crime is reported, that somehow the situation they're getting into can be mitigated by a social worker. That is probably the case for uh, some of it. But what you're finding is that it's not going to be the case for a lot of it, a majority of it. Uh, here's what I know. When you put someone into a situation that they're not trained for, and you can say police aren't trained to be psychiatrists because, you know, they're there to enforce the law. Sure, I understand that. There's a little bit of that. You can't ask police officers to be everything all the time. I don't think you can ask the auxiliary social worker or whatever that you would recommend to go on a call to try to de-escalate something to also be one that could be uh, a security officer, someone that would be able to use it as a way to stop a violent act as it's being committed. And that's tough because now you're going to put them in that situation too. I think that in the city of St. Louis, when you look at the statistics, the crime of targeted crimes, those that knew who they were targeting, you look at the drug use and the problems that go around drug use. I, I don't remember if it was Chief Hayden, but it could have been him that said, I don't want to misquote him, but it, so maybe don't hold me to this one, but basically said, when you you don't find a drug dealer that is unarmed, and whenever you find one of these homicides, drugs are normally related to it. We got a problem. So maybe it's more of an issue on drugs and leniency and looking at the other things that cause these violent crimes. Sure, I'm, I'm, willing, to, uh, I'm willing to say that we could look into that. Oh, wait a minute. How about that? Uh, we've been trying that for how long? And then we keep decreasing the amount of officers that are on the street, a low amount of officers on the street. It's very difficult to get a police officer in the city of St. Louis to be dispatched to your house in a timely manner. You know, this happens in other major areas, too. It's not just St. Louis. I mean, over the past couple of decades, you can look at other high crime areas. And Detroit's a great example where you can call the police and they'll show up like two hours later. And by that time, everyone's gone, right? You're just basically babysitting a crime scene. And then what are they going to do? They're going to write a few names and numbers down on a notepad. And then you're going to go in a filing cabinet because they're not going to have time to investigate any of this stuff outside of someone bleeding out on your front lawn. That's the sad reality in a lot of these cases. What else did they have during the debate? Uh, okay, I think I played this one on policing. I think I played that one. Um, okay, safe to go to a cards game. This is an interesting one, too. This was a listener question. What are you going to do to make it certain it will be safe again to return to St. Louis City to watch a Cardinal ball game? I do not feel secure parking my car or walking to attend a game in the evening. Alderwoman Spencer, this one goes to you first. Sure. This is such an important question. Uh, this is why when I decided to run for mayor, I got serious about putting together a comprehensive plan to address violence and crime in our city. Went to the cities that have been effectively addressed violence. And make no mistake, the city of St. Louis has been sticking out like a sore thumb nationally for failing to reduce violence in our communities. Pulling from those cities that have been successful, we're going to bring in 
focus deterrence, the model I mentioned earlier, that is going to shift the focus from one of geographical nature, those rectangles and triangles we've seen that haven't really been effective in reducing violence, and focus instead on the very small number of people that are at risk of being involved in violence. It's a very effective data-driven approach that's worked in every city it's been applied to. Secondly, we are going to go beyond traditional policing and make sure that we are holding landlords accountable for the degradation of the properties uh, that they are holding on to. We see this happening downtown. We're going to get serious about enforcing excise and, and ensuring that the cruising and other behavior that's taking place in our downtown area is curbed right off the bat. And lastly, that trust piece where we're going to be rebuilding trust within our neighborhoods, so that within our communities, so that the witnesses and victims of crime feel comfortable coming forward with the very vital information that our law enforcement needs to solve the violent crime that's taking place throughout the city of St. Louis. And we hope you come back uh, for a winter game this, hopefully this year. <laughs> All right, Alderwoman Spencer, thank you. Same question, Treasurer Jones, a minute and a half. Yeah, plans to solve crime are great, but we can't condense them into 10 points and call it a day. We need a holistic and regional approach to solving crime or to preventing crime in our city, not just solving crime. Uh, and that means bringing everybody to the table, declaring gun violence as a public health crisis, and, and enlisting all of our communities in, uh, in, in making sure that we are providing the resources that people need to turn away from a life of crime. I'm glad that all the women that supports focused deterrence. It was on my 2017 platform and it's on my current platform. And I'm glad to see that she supports that, but we need to use all of the prevention tools in the toolbox and again, and, and put a, a regional approach, bringing all of our counties to the West and the East uh, to solve crime and to prevent crime uh, in our city. Um, and hopefully, you know, uh, your, the viewer who, who submitted that question uh, will come back downtown for a ball game. It is safe. We, I know that because we employ uh, off-duty officers when, uh, at our garages during ball games, so we know that it's safe. Um, and please come back. I don't know. When I hear Tashar Jones say, oh, no, it's safe, please come back, uh, okay. It, you know, it's safe to an extent. I think that people don't feel safe. I think there's a reason why they don't feel safe because the homicide rate is sky high. I think that they realize that policing is uh, difficult. You know, it's a difficult thing to, to get enough police officers out at any given time. And if they're not inside of a herd, as in they're leaving the game or going to the game with a group of people around them, they don't feel comfortable because they could be forced into a situation they don't want to be in. Or maybe they park somewhere and they get back and the stuff out of their car has been stolen. So how many times have we had people break into a car and that number is sky high as well? You know, they go back to whatever and their windows shattered or the door has been jammed open or who knows? And whatever property they had inside that vehicle has gone. That's a problem too. Got lots of problems. All right, uh, we'll be right back. I want to play a couple more clips from this debate. Understaffed policing, that was a question... Uh, final thoughts. I never played the end of the debates. If you wanted to hear their final thoughts, we can do that, too. It's Overnight America KMOX. Overnight America with Ryan Recker is sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Wow, these nights go by quick. And then sometimes you just wonder, where is the time gone? Man. We still have another hour. We're live up until midnight. And I should probably let you know, there's all kinds of ways you can reach the show. If you wanted to go on Facebook, it's Ryan Recker Radio. You can send me messages on there. I try to check that a few times during the show. 
on Twitter at Ryan Recker, another way for you to reach the show. Uh, I don't always talk politics on there. I try not to do as, uh, too many politics or stories about that on there. It seems like during the show, I try to cover exactly what the big stories are. And tonight with the St. Louis mayoral debate, that's one of the big stories. That's a big one. And everything else that goes on that's around it, it's auxiliary issues. We talk about policing and the circuit attorney and all of these things are relevant tonight because that's what we're debating in the city of St. Louis when it comes to the future of it. I don't live in the city. I, I live in the county. So I'm looking at this as someone that doesn't have a vote. I'm just looking at this as someone that is impacted, you know, works in the city of St. Louis, impacted by what goes down in the city. And I think a lot of people have opinions on this and the direction it should go. Rightfully so. Let's go to Jerry, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Hi, Ryan. This is Jerry. This is always a good show, but you really you, you put it out there for us. It's very informative. And um, I really appreciate what you do for for that. And I'm like yourself. I you know I live out in the county, and that and like I said, I heard one of the questions asked about being safe to go to a ball game and that. But I live out in the county. But you know, I really like to see the uh, the city, the as well as the uh, the the police department, as well as the Cardinals and that. I like to see them get the drones. I like to hmm. see if they go to a ballpark. You know. And I'll have the drones fly high out in the areas where there's parking lots and that, where they can zoom down. And that, I, it, I, I'm not saying it's going to stop all the crime, but it's somewhat of a deterrent, you know, to see, you know, it, it, it flying around through the air. As long as it stays on the outside of the ballpark, not on the inside, you know, uh, affecting the game and that. But I like to see some of that money spent, you know, to, for the city people. Like I said, I live out in the county. And there's been times I'll be the first to admit that. You know, I am skeptical about going down to a ball game and that because you hear the crime and that. But that's all social media hype and that. And I, but there is, like I said, it's isolated and it does happen in that. You know, crime does happen. But I like, would like to see a little bit of a deterrent, maybe fly them uh, drones around, yeah. you know, the stadium. You know, I, I thought about that when it comes to the drones. Let me point out a few things. Are the police going to use their limited resources trying to track a, a drone video or picture that might not help identify anyone like what, what are they going to do with that data because um, if it's just your regular hey someone smashed a window and grabbed something they're not going to do anything with that like think about all the video cameras that are on people's doorbells right now and they have these surveillance and what they do is they have people come and steal packages off of their front door they'll just come right up they'll steal a package they won't even wear a mask Nothing happens. You know, the police look at that and say, like, you know, what am I supposed to do? We don't know who this person is. We're not going to be spending a, a full week to try to track down someone. And a lot of times they're just overwhelmed. So I think about a drone. What are they going to pick up or how are they going to be able to identify it? If anything, I think that it um, I, I just don't know what the surveillance is going to do in the end. If we don't have anyone on the other side that's going to be able to use it as a way to catch people. And then again, you might actually have some physical evidence to hand over to the circuit attorney's office and they'll ignore it anyway. Yeah, they put like a, a, a drone task force together within the within the city and the police department. You know, I would, you know, something that you, you see a committee to put together, but not only for, you know, the, the Bush Stadium, that, but just for the general area, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, in particular, I mean, that's how, you know, I to see, you know, see it flying around, just knowing the fact that it's out there, you know, I mean, it could be some awareness to the, you know, 
to the people yeah, out there and, committing you know, crime. There, apparently, there's videos and there's different things that are set up in some of the parks downtown. So there are surveillance in that sense, trying to pay attention. And there's also these sensors that should detect if there's a gunshot and they'll alert police automatically. There was a pilot program where they were going to bring in some drones or at least talking about it. And there was a debate if we wanted that type of police surveillance in the city anyway. But they pulled the plug on that. Even the people that were going to use St. Louis as a pilot program, um, the ones that were going to finance it and get it off the ground said, ah, never mind. We're, we're done with this. We're out. I, I think a COVID kind of killed that. But they um, they were considering it there for a while. I don't see the city of St. Louis picking that up. They can't even get video cameras on the police officers, these body cams that should be out there, not only uh, to document crimes as they're being committed, but in a lot of ways, it'll protect these officers from all of these uh, allegations against them. And I think that getting body cameras would be effective use. We can't even do that. So how are we going to get drones? We can't even afford or we're still debating body cameras. I see. I don't, uh, I, I just don't see that as a good use of money right now. I mean, there's other no. things you could do. All right. Thanks for the call. Uh, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120 is another way to get onto the show. We have one more hour of Overnight America coming up. And, man, we got so much to uh, we could talk about here, but I still want to finish some of these clips from the mayoral debate. We're going to try to do that next hour. And we'll take some more of your calls coming up, too. This is Overnight America, KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.